Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Jim Cobray. Tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the Word of God with you, uh, what God spoke to me. It is not exactly one of those messages that are my most excited message. I can hardly wait to give this to you. It's just so wonderful and so great. And this is one of those times when I have to, by faith, realize that God spoke to me about this. And I'm going to share it with you the way God spoke to me about it. And I pray that there's a lot of you out there that are going to get something out of this tonight because uh, it's different. It's different in a, a number of different ways. But before we get into how different it is and what it's all about, let's do this. If you can stand to your feet, please do so. If not, you can stay seated or get down on your knees, whatever you want to do. I'm going to just pray because I don't want to be alone on this platform. I love what Moses said. I'll go to Pharaoh, but I'm not going without you. And I think every preacher out of that attitude when they get in the front of the church of God that they're not going to get in front of the church of God unless you're going to go with us, God. And so we need you tonight. We need his, like you're saying, we need his presence. How many agree with that? Amen? And uh, I, I don't want to come in and hear from a man or a woman. I don't want to come here from a tall man, short man, white man, black man, brown man. I don't give a flip about that. Or a woman or anybody else. I want to come in here from the Holy Ghost when I come into the church. Because I know after all these years, come on, I want you to know something. I know something you need to know, some of you, that the teacher of the church is not a man and not a woman. The teacher of the church is the Holy Spirit. And we welcome the teaching gift of God. Tonight, there's nothing I have to say that's going to get into your heart, but I want you to know something. God has something to say that'll change your heart, and it'll absolutely be wonderful because he is a faithful and wonderful God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, giving you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Father, we, I, listen, every one of our pastors in this church, we don't give a flip if anybody knows our name. We want them to know your name. And God, that's what's so important, is that they know you, and you, of course, know them. And God will give you the praise, glory, and honor. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Welcome. Touch us, heal us, strengthen us, encourage us, guide us, guard us, direct us, motivate us, and we give you all the praise and glory, Father, for everything that you're going to do in our hearts and our lives. Over these last, as Deborah and I started, had the honor of starting this church, we didn't really start it, Lord. We were just two dumb kids following you. Let's be honest for, before everybody. You know, everybody comes and says, Lord, oh, how did you do it? How did you do it? Let me tell you something. I didn't know anything except to be able to follow God. I was so dependent on you, which made me a humble man to get out of myself and not think about what I could do, but to think about what you could do. Find out and follow. And Father, I just am grateful tonight that that's what you're going to teach all of us tonight is to find out and follow. And God will give you the praise, glory. So welcome, Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, we ask that you bless all the churches in the Inland Empire as well as around the planet that are preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. At no time do we think of ourselves as better than any of them. We are co-laborers together, workers to build the kingdom of God, not a man's kingdom, not a man's prestige, not a man's power, not a man's identity, not a man, man's ego. We are here, God, to build the kingdom of God. And then we're going to get out of here, Lord, and leave it to the next generation. 
And God will give you the praise and give you the glory as you bless all the churches that are preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all in agreement and we say amen. amen. Come on, we're all in agreement and we say amen. amen. Good, good, good. Well, I'm going to do what I do at Bible College. I've got one, this semester has been just such a neat semester. We got the best bunch of group of people I've ever had in my life. They're just in, hungry for God. They're kind, they're wonderful. And our, our last night together at Bible College is tomorrow night. And um, I'm just having a, a fantastic time with them. I am literally going to miss the things of God. We've been teaching, I teach a class, I, uh, Deborah teaches, Car, uh, you teach angelology and Christology. Isn't that a great? I teach uh, um, cardiology, <laughs> the study of the human heart from the spiritual perspective. And it's just so kind of neat to look at as we look at the life of David all through the scripture, a man after God's own heart. Why do I say that? Because tonight I'm believing God that's going to touch your heart and change you. Because it's so important that you see, hear, and do what God would have you to do. Not because he's going to hit you in the head with a two-by-four if you don't. It's you're going to hit yourself in the head with a two-by-four if you don't. God loves you enough that he wants you to follow him so that you can be blessed in every area of your life. That's the only reason that he wants to do what he's going to do. So now I'm going somewhere. You know, most time we get together, we talk about good things. We talk about, you know, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ means good news. We talk about, you know, how great it is to be in faith and how we win and our position in Christ and all those great things we talk about. Tonight I'm kind of going to the other side of the coin. The other side of the coin is this is not just what God loves, which we've been talking about for a lot, but we're going to talk about what God hates. Because I found out something, and if I know what God hates, then I don't have to operate in it. If I don't operate in it, then I get blessed. And may I say this to you so that you don't misunderstand? God says that we are not to hate anything. Let me, let me stop that and repeat that again. In Scripture, you're going to find out that God says we're not to hate anything except one thing. And you know what that one thing is? It's evil. The word evil is a funny little word. A lot of people don't understand evil. They project evil in their thinking as some, you know, serpent or some dragon or something really horrific and horrible. Um, but evil is anything that's contrary to the will and ways and the word of God. And that's a big picture. I just painted, I just swooped the brush a big way. Anything contrary to the will and the way of God is considered by God to be evil. And it's not whether we agree to it, it's not whether society agrees to it, not whether our social systems say it's okay to do. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says is their interpretation of what we should be like or think. It has nothing to do with that. It's what God says. And what God says is clearly that we are to hate evil, to run from that which is evil. And God hates things that are, and he makes it very clear what they are, because they are evil. They're not evil going to hurt him. They're evil going to hurt you. And it's like you having a child, and you love your child so much that you want the very best for your child, but they run off 
and do something that you know is going to down the road destroy them or cause them to be, have heartache and pain and failure in your life. You hate whatever it is that it, it caused them to run down the road and do something contrary to what you know would have been good in their life. So when God makes a statement that he hates something, he hates it because he doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you. He didn't want to go to the cross, and he knows there's many people that are not going to make it, but he didn't want to go to the cross and die on that cross so you could be successful and everything, and beyond the world, have eternal life. But guess what? Then you do something stupid. It keeps you away from the blessings of God. Recently, I started praying for my grandchildren. For, for years, I'd prayed for my grandchildren. Let me just tell you how to do it. Lord, I want you to bless. I you know, have 13 grandchildren. 11 of them are sons and, and a couple of girls thrown in there, and they get everything they want. And uh, <clears throat> just, just to kind of tell you that, you know, I, I would pray, God bless them. This is the way most of you that are sitting in this room right now pray. You say, Lord, I want you to bless them. I want you to bless them. I want you to bless them. Can I tell you something? You could get kids that are blessed, die and go to hell. You got to hear what I just said. It's not about the blessings that they get. It's about whether or not they live their life pleasing to God. So what I've done is I have changed my prayer life to follow what God wants for these people. My children, grandchildren, as many, many of you that are sitting here tonight. And that what God wants is that at the end of your life, he wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant. At the end of your life, he wants you to be pleasing to him because he knows in your pleasing him, he will then bless you. If you have the blessings before the pleasing, oftentimes you have failure close behind. Is anybody listening to me at all? Right? Are you getting any of this at all? So what we're going to look at tonight is the scripture, and we're going to look at it and come at it from a different point of view. With that thought in mind, I was thinking just... Today, um, I'll go fast as we go through the scriptures because there's a, a lot of it to do tonight. I was thinking today that Jesus said so much when he made this comment that his comment was in the Bible about him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Summed up in that is everything you need to know. He is the way, he is the truth, and it leads to the life you really want. And there's a life you don't want, and there's a life you do want. And the life you do want is the one that carries with it blessings in eternal life afterwards. Because you could have all the material things in the world in this place, and all the stuff, and it never gets you anywhere unless you have God that is being pleased by who you are in him. And are you following me at all? So all of a sudden he makes these statements that are so important to us, which gives us the way. And here we have confusion in America right now. We don't know up and down. People don't know, you know, anything about anything. Well, I'm not trying to be uh, ugly or anything like that, so please forgive me if this is rude to you. But there's a whole generation that doesn't even know if they're male or female. I mean, that, you can't figure that out. There's got to be a real problem here. And, and the Bible makes it very clear. Without common sense, you will end up dead. 
And so the whole common sense thing has gone out and we are on the verge of seeing a new explosion in this country that's going to take the country right where it doesn't really want to go. You don't have to go there. You, what you can do is you can learn the things of God and stay with God and find yourself blessed in the midst of all the problems and pressures. And that's what this is all about. So tonight, I'm going to take you a lot to Proverbs, so you might as well mar mark it in your Bible. And uh, let's go to Proverbs, the sixth chapter. And I'm going to start reading in Proverbs, the sixth chapter, because we've got some things that we need to look at tonight and, and really seriously talk about. Can I just say this to you? There is nothing I'm going to read in Proverbs, the sixth chapter, that God can't forgive you of and God can't change in your life. Sometimes when we hear these are the things that God hates, the first thing we think, if I do them, I'm not going to make it, and God hates me, and he can't stand my, my thing. God loves you and never will stop loving you, but he doesn't always approve of your lifestyle or my lifestyle. And until he approves of my lifestyle and your lifestyle, I, trust me, there's a lot of blessings that are available that he's holding back because the blessings will absorb you and ruin you because you don't know how to handle the blessings. And so what we have to understand is love and approval are two very separate things as we look at the scripture. What we're going to look at is that what God hates and God loves are two very separate things. He will never stop loving you. There's nothing that will ever take him away from you. Nothing can separate you from his love, Romans tells us. But yet at the same time, you must understand that because he loves you doesn't mean he always approves. And it's very important for us to understand this as we look at the scripture. So what am I saying? I'm saying if any of these things that God hates falls in your category, here's what you must consider doing. Change and learn how to stop doing it. By the way, you can stop doing anything with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why God gave you the Holy Spirit. Some people say, I just can't stop. I just can't stop. Oh, slap yourself. You haven't even gotten into the Holy Ghost that could help you get over that problem. I just can't stop doing this problem. I just can't stop doing this problem. Slap yourself, knock two teeth out. Better that you lose the teeth than lose your mind. Can I say something to you right now? But let me say, there's nothing God asks you to do that you can't do. Would it be crazy if God said, oh, I'm asking them, I'm telling them what I hate but they can't change it because that's the way they are. Ha, 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 I fool them. God's not stupid and he doesn't play games with your life. So all of us in here, including me, have got to come to a place in my life, there are things that are irritating that I do before God. And I didn't even realize it until I got into this, this chapter and sixth chapter of um, the Proverbs. I didn't even realize how irritating I am. I mean, listen to me, I've been preaching the gospel for 45 years. And I'm still in some areas irritating. But guess what? I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to change. And I'm not changing because Debbie's jawing me. I'm changing because I love God. And God's going to talk to me. And Debbie, by the way, doesn't jaw me. 
Verse 16 says this in the sixth chapter of Proverbs. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. Stop right there. I, I find it interesting that God says these six things, and then he says, oh, but seven of them, I'm going to tell you about their abomination. I really want it, can really totally confuse you right now, because I believe there is one thing, and five, six other things following one characteristic that is an underlining root for all the other six. Does anybody understand what I just said? There's an underlining root, one thing, that is the underlining root for all the other six things, which makes seven. So there's six things he hates, but here's the underlining root, which is seven. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the very thing that separates you from God most of the time, especially in our American culture. Are you okay with that? Number one, it says uh, six things that the Lord hates. Yes, seven, an abomination. Verse 17, a proud look. A proud look. You know as well as I do that God's looking for somebody that's humble. Humility really translates in its best analogy as dependency. And I find that Moses, who was the meekest man in all the world, was the most dependent at that time. And he expressed that through the power of God. So when I become dependent, not on myself, but on the things of God to keep me going, all of a sudden I'm opposite of pride, I'm in dependency. And I've come into a place called humility. And the Bible says that the God resists the proud, but God does something. He gives more, more grace to the humble because grace is God's power. So the more I'm dependent on God, the more I need God, the more I recognize God as the source of everything. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, I am everything. The more I recognize that I need God, the more humble I become in my humility to submit myself to God, and then I draw the power of God to bless me, which I need more than anything, his grace. Because I can't do it by myself and have never been ever designed as a human being to do this by yourself either. We are creating a garden to do this with God. It's not God doing it for you, get the picture, by himself and you don't have any part to play in this thing. Or listen closely to what I'm going to say. It's not God working just for you. Are you working by yourself? It's you and God working together. And in your part is that you're submitting your pride, who you are, what you think you're all about, what you look like, what other people think about you, all the stuff that gives you a status in this world to who God is. And that's what this is all about. And when you have an over-exaggerated opinion of yourself, oh, I got to say that again. I don't want to say that again, God. If you have an over-exaggerated opinion about yourself, and you got to look about you, 
And you got, you know, you got to sway. I, I don't have, I'm too old to have to sway. I, I have a John Wayne limp, not a sway. But, but I, maybe I'd get somebody to give me a sway. No, I won't even ask anybody. But, you, you, you know, that's a look. That, here's what you're saying. I'm cool. I've got it. I got this together. I, I, I'm all right. You know you've seen people with a sway. And God says these words. This is a proud look. And proud look is like, number one, the most amazing thing. What he's really talking about is pride itself. Now, listen, even in the Bible, you will find people that were filled with pride. For example, let's go to the time of Moses. Here he is. He's serving God. He doesn't know what he's doing. God's in there. He, you know, he needs God. And here comes somebody out of the congregation. His name is Korah. Pastor Dan talked about this last week. And Korah says to Moses and, and uh, 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 his brother Aaron, boy, that, that, that's a memory loss there. Moses and Aaron, and he says, man, you guys take too much on yourself. You think you're it with God. You think God's the only one who speaks to you and doesn't speak to anybody else. God speaks to all of us. God loves all of us. And then they put him to a test. And remember the test was, let's see who's got God, who doesn't have God. And what does God do with, uh, with Korah? He, uh, he opens up the ground and eats his whole family. The ground opens up, his whole family falls in, and the, and the ground closes up. Could I tell you something? If that ever happened to me, I'd shut my mouth. There'd be no more pride about, you want to be Moses? Go ahead and be Moses. You know, you want to be the boss? Be the boss. I don't care. I just don't want the ground swallow me up. And that's Old Testament. But did you know in the New Testament, you see the same kind of thing? Mary and Martha. Stop and think about it. Never taught Mary and Martha in your whole life that Mary and Martha, someone was out of order there. And someone pointed it out to Jesus. Jesus, my sister Mary over there, she should help me. Look what I'm doing. In other words, she's pointing out her superiority as a servant, and Martha is sitting at his, Mary's sitting at his feet, and Jesus has to correct her and say, listen, it's better thing that she would sit at my feet than to clean up the dishes. And you know, sometimes we forget about just being humble before the Lord. Very important for us to take a look at that, if you would. Let me give you a verse, and let's look at it together. In Proverbs, the 16th chapter, verse number 18, it says this, pride goeth before destruction. One translation says, pride goeth before it fall. And it, and it makes this statement, it says, and a haunty spirit before a fall. Can, can I just tell you something? Let's just talk for a moment. I'm an old man in my late 70s. And I, I have never known anybody in politics do as much as one of our past presidents. Wait a minute, don't give me a clap, Halfer. Let, yeah, let me finish. But I've never seen anybody so stupid with their mouth. It's so stupid that he turned off the entire nation. And yet he was the one that produced more for us than anybody else, for Israel, for everybody. He was amazing and taking care of you guys and me. Every, gas was $2.75 a pound. We didn't have to worry about gas ever. We had enough gas forever. 
But the guy couldn't shut up. All the time, this verse is screaming at me. Screaming at me. Oh, man. Pride goeth, remember? Before destruction. And a haunting spirit. Pfft, what was it there? Before a fall. Don't misunderstand me. Everybody can change because of the power of God on the Holy Spirit on the inside. I'm not trying to get political. I'm trying to bring you a realization of how people, even in great places and do great things, will fall if they get full of pride. This is about God doing it. Everything we ever did, everything you ever will do, everything you'll ever have, everything you'll ever be, and everything you'll ever say is because God gives you the grace to do it. Somebody. It's the way it is. And without that attitude, you're not pleasing to God. So you might be pleasing to some friends around you that think you're pretty cool, but that's not it. Number two, a lying tongue. A lying tongue, I mean, a lying tongue is a lying tongue. A lot of times people say, oh, you know, it's just a white lie. What the heck's a white lie? I can't find that anywhere. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's like part lie and part truth. Okay, wait a minute. You know what makes the word of God so special? There's no contradictions. There is, this is truth. It's been tested for thousands of years. The Old Testament works together with the New Testament. It's an absolute amazing. There's not one of these, well, uh, it, maybe that's true and maybe that isn't. Or it was true then and it isn't true today. It's true all the time. So there's no such thing as a white lie. A white lie is like having a cookie with a dead bug in it. Go ahead and eat it. A white lie is a white lie. And all we're doing is trying to deceive people to get on board so that we're, and what we're really saying by having to lie is we do not trust God for the outcome. I just got audited two years in a row from the IRS. I said, I didn't lie. My tax man didn't lie, my Debbie didn't lie. Well, you know, this, blah, 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 blah. and during 2020, it was like a real crazy situation. You, you couldn't talk to anybody in the IRS. There's nobody there. They, they all went home. And, and so there's, if you had any problems with the IRS, good luck with you. So we ended up paying the whole thing because God says, give unto Caesar what's Caesar's. And I'm telling you, I guarantee that whole thing was a lot more than I can even imagine. And I'm not trying to brag to you. I did not lie. But they wouldn't understand that because there was nobody to talk to about it. They just stuck it out there and said, this is we're carrying it through to 23. So we decided just to pay it anyway. And you're going to have to get to a place where you trust God with your finances, you don't trust the IRS. You trust God. And you do what's right before the Lord. And sometimes doing what's right will hurt you for a moment until you get back on God again. Because everything we have is because of God. Every breath we take is because of God. So what the heck is money anyway? 
So what is this lie? When you lie and you try to deceive somebody to think about you in a different way, you're in pride. Or you're in fear. Either way, you lose a relationship with God. Proverbs 6.18 says this. I know a lot of you don't like to hear that, but it's still true. It says this. A heart that deceives wicked plans Feet that are swift and running to evil. In fact, uh, 619 says, a false witness who seeks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. You guys back there, you got all my verses screwed up. And I just want to tell you that's not the verse. So I'm, I, you know, somehow you got the wrong verse probably because I gave it to you. So here's what I want you to put up, Proverbs 12.22. Thank you. Proverbs 12.22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his, what? Delight. Number three, we're talking about this. This is a really fascinating one. Third thing he hates. I like this, and I, I think I like it. Hands that shed innocent blood. Did you know that more innocent blood have been killed throughout lifetime than at any other way in human history. That wars, let me give you an illustration. <clears throat> the wars right now in the Ukraine, there's more innocent blood being killed there. The wars with uh, uh, whatever it was, with Hitler or Idi Amin or any of these others that went on over the years. Innocent people bombed and killed. Yes, military was killed. Yes, they had a purpose. Yes, they had a direction. But when there is an innocence that is involved in killing, God hates that. One of the interesting things about killing is the word hatred. Because you would have to hate in order to bring murder. And when you hate, the product of hating is murder. In 1 John, the third chapter, verse number 15, it says these words. Verse 15 says, whoever, here's what John writes, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Oh, my goodness. Now, there is a statement. Whoever hates his brother, wait a minute, didn't say he murdered his brother. He murdered his brother because he became loveless. And a lot of times we don't understand that God's concept of hate is different than your concept of hate. My concept of hate is you're just angry at somebody, you don't like them, you're mad at them, you're, you, you, know, you like to punch them in the face, you hope something bad happens to them, that's it, okay, you just hate them. But God sees hate as loveless, and loveless is an act of murder. And that is a shock. So when he comes to those people that, if you will, in number three, that said hands that shed innocent blood. Oftentimes it's because we hold on to hate instead of forgiveness. I like what my son Luke said he preached the other day and I was listening to him on, on YouTube and uh, in his church in Oregon. 
and he said this, hating is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. That, that's just crazy. Get it out of you. Let it go. Walk in forgiveness. It's innocent. Let it go. Oftentimes the things that happen, don't. I mean, it was years ago. Let it go. Bless these people. Start praying for them and watch your heart change because you don't want to hold heart because of cold in God. Man, it's like murder. So there is innocent hands, but I like number four. Let's go to number four tonight as we're together. Number four, a heart that devises wicked plans. A heart that devises wicked plans. He hates a heart that devises wicked plans. You know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. There are five things in your human body that are organs that you must have in order to live. One is your brain. Two is your heart. You will find also that your lungs and your liver and your kidneys make up those five things in order for you to live physically. But spiritually, the most important thing is your heart. And I'm talking to you tonight spiritually that that heart is so important. And when it starts to do something like to come to a place in like in this, it says devises wicked plans, it is operating contrary to the ways of God. And what you think the most will come to pass in your life and be the prominent thing that changes you or moves you in your life. And if you have a heart that's devising wicked things, man, we have problems because the outcome is you're going to be operating in something you don't want to operate in. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 says it like this. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. One translation says, the very issues that you want to live with. Why do you want to live with them? Because God's in them. Why is God in them? Because you're going to bring blessings. God's going to meet your needs. Very important for you. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. That's why when you come to church, even on a Wednesday night, you're feeding your soul, you're feeding your heart, you're getting your mind back logically to the simple truths of the Word of God. Then you go in the world and they vomit their garbage all over you, their thoughts and stupidity all over you. Then you come back and you get God who straightens out common sense and the truth of the Word of God. Guard your heart because out of your heart comes the rest of your life. That's what it just said. And if you don't have the right heart and you're out chasing after stuff that's garbage and you're thinking of stuff that's garbage, as a man thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. Oh my goodness. So if I'm thinking stuff, cast it down. If I'm thinking of stuff that's contrary to the ways of God, get rid of it. If, it, if it's speaking to you about doing something, make sure you change. It's important 
that you do. Number five, feet that are swift and running to evil. Feet that are rush to evil. Um, you know how many people do that nowadays? Somebody tried to figure it out. Why would anybody want to run to evil? Wait a minute. How many billions of dollars have been made in America off of horror films? People being killed, monsters showing up, being eaten, torn and shredded apart. People can hardly wait to get into a theater, hardly wait to get their mind filled with junk. How many times when you were young, let's say, did you run to the party when you knew there was evil going on in the party? You could hardly wait to be part of it because inside of all of us, our nature is evil. Only God gets inside of us and changes us. He takes us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And if you want to stay in darkness and say you're in the light, it won't work. So the feet that run to evil and they make haste, it's terrible. They run to evil all the time. Isaiah 59 is an interesting verse, verse number seven. In Isaiah 59, it says, the feet run to evil. Does God know who we are? He says, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. They thoughts are thoughts of iniquity and waste and destruction are in their plans. All of a sudden, my friends, we don't need to be people that are meditating on stuff that'll tear us down, but we need to be thinking all the time about the goodness of God, what is God's word says, how do we live, how do we get more, how do we fulfill him, how do we get to a place where we become blessed by God because we please God in our lifestyle. Is anybody listening at all? It's so important for us. Number six, I like this one. False witness who, who speaks lies. False testimonies. <sighs> Have you ever had anybody come to you and say, will you write a letter? My daughter was just telling me about somebody who came to her and said, listen, would you please write a letter uh, uh, about uh, my daughter? My daughter is in an institution. She needs to get out. And uh, she needs some people that are going to write a letter that's favorable. She says, do I know your daughter? And, and, and she says, well, you know, you know, I, you heard me speak of my daughter. Yes, but I never met your daughter. I don't know anything about her. Why would I, and we're so easy, we'll write that letter of recommendation when in fact we are doing something the wrong way. We are becoming a false witness. A false witness can go against somebody, but it can also go against you at the same time when you're a false witness. So he comes along and he says, false witnesses who speak lies. And uh, uh, you might, like for an example, when you and I shed rumors, you hear things, you're not quite sure how it works out, you're not quite sure how it fulfilled, but we start rumors. How about people on Facebook or, 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 or Twitter or all those other stuff. What is that all about? Man, I, you know, I'm not there, so I don't know, but I've seen people, they, they present themselves in an egotistical way, showing what they're having for dinner, how their dates were, 
how, they, how great everything is, the limo that picked them up, the clothes they're wearing, they're taking selfie after selfie after selfie. And if you were sitting back watching them, then most likely through the night, they hardly talked at all. Why? They presented something that was unreal. We don't need to be that kind of a person. And it's so important for us. Last one tonight, which I find fascinating, is one who sows discord among the brethren. Discord among the brethren. Conflicts, self-gain. Proverbs 28, 25, it's a great verse. It says, he who is proud in heart stirs up strife. Again, back to the word pride. It's all self-centeredness. All about self. This is why we do what we do. Because we're insecure, we try to build ourselves up when in fact we should be secure in who Christ is, not who we are. When you're, you're secure in yourself, then you're weak. But if you're secure in Christ, then you got him and you're strong. And it says, he who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts the Lord will be prospered. I don't know about you, but I want to trust the Lord in everything. So I look at these tonight, and I realize that the root of all of these is pride. The one thing that really is an abomination. And it comes from the garden when Adam and Eve partook of the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. At that moment, they could decide for themselves how they wanted to live their life. Before that, they only got their information from God. We need to get back to getting our information from God getting our future from God. He's our breath. He's our life. He's our everything. He is our plan. I didn't say you couldn't enjoy a house, go on vacation with your children, love your kids, love your wife. I didn't say you couldn't enjoy life and do wonderful things and, and look forward to things. God's not a kill joy. But one thing you must understand, that your relationship with God it's got to be the number one thing in your existence and not who you are according to what the world sees. That's pride. Well, I'm finished, and I hope you got something from God. If you did, tell him you did, okay? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.